hey, you're great. You know that? Like, I'm pretty sure you're pretty cool to hang out with. And I'm sure that when you let yourself, you're pretty fun. And do you know that that capacity for fun and joy is a direct reflection of the God who made you in his image? And that God can specifically use that reflection to change the world one person at a time. It's true. It's amazing. So let's talk about it together. Often we think that following Jesus is really just like a, a list of do's and don'ts or more of an individualistic moral exercise that, you know, sometimes gives us a bit of help along the way. But in reality, following Jesus isn't about what we have to do. It's about who we get to be. And Jesus promised his followers a full life where our, our burdens are lifted and we can experience true life. But it's not just a life with, you know, just us and me and Jesus type of thing. No, a full life, whether you're an extrovert or introvert, involves being with other people, sharing the joys and the struggles and the laughter and the work of life together. And one of the best ways to experience and discover this full, true life is by practicing what the biblical writings call hospitality. Now, Christian hospitality is the art and ministry of hanging out for the kingdom of God. Christian hospitality is the art and ministry of hanging out for the kingdom of God. It's something Jesus did all the time. And it's something that has been central to the lives of his followers ever since. And we have a perfect example in the gospel of Luke, the Luke's biography of Jesus' life. And in this biography, we see that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. His like final trip to Jerusalem where he's going to be executed and ultimately rise again and defeat death. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There's a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. And he's a short guy, and that's why I love this, this story, because, you know, you can't tell from the internet, but I'm not the tallest guy. So Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector of the region, meaning, you know, a couple of things. He was a Jew who worked for Rome, the Roman occupiers. And he made money by charging as much as he could above what the Roman taxes were. So he would just charge even more and take off the top, like ripping his own people off. And so obviously tax collectors were considered traitors to their people. And they were not allowed to enjoy the life of Jewishness. They weren't allowed to go to the synagogue and be part of the community. And Zacchaeus was the one in charge of all these tax collectors. And so he was known and he was hated. Now, I think the best way to read the biblical writings is to ask questions. And so my question when I was reading this was, why would Zacchaeus want to get a look at Jesus? And I think it's because Jesus had a reputation by this point. In fact, he had a former tax collector in his entourage. Jesus was the rabbi who, who offered love to the hated and acceptance to the rejected. And how did Zacchaeus know that? Because Jesus didn't just say he loved and accepted people. His actions proved it. And Jesus didn't disappoint. When Jesus came by, he looked at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. And so the moral of the story is to be like Jesus, invite yourself to dinner at rich people's houses. No. Now the question that came to my mind then was, why must Jesus be a guest of Zacchaeus's? Right? Like he could have said, hey, Zacchaeus, you know, I want to I want to get to know you. I'd, I'd like to be a guest at your house. Or, hey, would it be cool if, you know, we hung out maybe on Thursday? 
Or maybe Jesus was hungry and, you know, he's been traveling and he needed a place to stay. But that must is the same word and phrasing he used for his own like purpose for coming to earth. But he replied, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in other towns too, because that is why I was sent. The son of man must suffer many terrible things, he said. He'll be rejected by the elders and the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. He'll be killed, but on the third day he will be raised from the dead. So somehow, being a guest at Zacchaeus' house was imperative for Jesus to fulfill his purpose. See, I don't think this must, like, I must go to your house. I don't think this must was for Jesus. Jesus must be a guest of Zacchaeus's for Zacchaeus. Being like, Zacchaeus, you need me to be a guest at your house. You need to hang out with me. You need what being with me will give you. In fact, you need to be accepted to know that you are loved. And you need others to see that you are accepted and loved by me. And that is why hospitality has been a must for Jesus followers from the beginning. Like, think about it. If you are a Jesus follower, Jesus has given you the Holy Spirit of God to live in you. Which means that whenever you are talking and eating with someone, you are bringing the Holy Spirit to talk and eat with that person. When we are hospitable, we are giving people an opportunity to be loved, served, and ministered to by the Holy Spirit. And what was Zacchaeus' response? Like, ah, no, man, I'm, I'm too busy. In fact, I got a massage plan for later. No. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. Like, think about this. People, Andy Stanley, Pastor Andy Stanley loves to say this. People who are nothing like Jesus loved being around Jesus. He didn't make them feel condemned and judged and unworthy and secular. When Jesus was with people, they felt peace and joy and love. Why? Because Jesus genuinely liked them. He loves people, all people. He actually liked hanging out with them. And even more, he was for them. When we practice hospitality, we learn to see and treat people as opportunities to give Jesus' love. But when we do that, it's not all sunshine and daisies. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Like, why are they mad? Well, think about it. If you're going to sit down and eat with someone, you are showing and you are saying, this is my person, like these are my people. Think about high school or even elementary school when you would sit at the lunch table or in the cafeteria, right? You would sit down and be like, these are my people. And if you went to a different table, it was kind of awkward and weird, right? Maybe you have that at work too. And, and the paleontologists sit at one table and the museum people sit at the other table. See, if they are your people, it means you get them. It means you accept them. It means you are with them and it means you are for them. Eating with someone conveys that we accept them and we identify with them. And instead of preaching at Zacchaeus and publicly condemning him and judging him or speaking truth and love to him like all these people wanted him to, instead of pointing out his sin, Jesus identifies with him. Jesus shows that he is for Zacchaeus before Zacchaeus is for anything Jesus is for. And throughout the biographies of Jesus, we see him eat a lot. With whom? everyone. He eats with rich tax collectors. He eats with poor fishermen. He even eats with the religious leaders. And he eats with the rejected and abused prostitutes. Jesus identifies with all of us. In fact, it's the point of him coming to earth. 
Think about it. God chose to identify with us by becoming one of us and being with us. And that offended people then. And you know what? It offends people now when we do it. Like they say, how can you accept that person? And how can you accept that type of person? Are you condoning their lifestyle? How can you identify with them? Why don't you call out what I think is their sin? Like, think about this. Let me ask you this question. Who have we rejected that Jesus would have invited to dinner? Like, how about we first focus on loving the actual person in front of us and let the Holy Spirit take care of the rest? You might think, well, but that's not what Jesus did. Really? Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus didn't preach to Zacchaeus. That is not written there. If God wants us to know that Jesus preached something, he would have had it recorded. He didn't speak truth and love to Zacchaeus. He didn't make sure Zacchaeus checked all the right boxes and had all the perfect theology before he accepted him. No. He just loved him and showed him he was accepted. And then what happened? Simply by experiencing the love and acceptance of Jesus, Zacchaeus' heart was transformed. When you know Jesus identifies with you, you can't help but want to identify with him. So there's never a place to confront people gently and show them that their choices and, and their path is damaging? Sure, sure there's times. But those instances need to be rare, they need to be prayerful, and they need to be done in already established relationships of love and acceptance. And then Jesus tells us why he lived this way. Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. The Son of Man, Jesus' favorite name for himself, came to seek and save the lost those who had wandered away from their heavenly father. Now, when a child is lost, and you, you maybe see him in the store, do you lecture them because, you know, they weren't paying attention to where their parent was going? They didn't follow their parent closely enough? Or do you give them a, a list of rules so they know how bad of a kid they are? Or do you simply and kindly and deliberately and eagerly help them find their parent? Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And this is one of the three verses we actually have where Jesus said, the son of man came, dot, 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 dot. The other one, another one is in Mark, where he says, the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as ransom for many. See, the first two that I, we talked about, this one and the one I just read, say that why Jesus came to seek and save the lost and to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. That's his mission, his why he came. But how, how did he come? What did he do? What method did he use to seek and save and serve? Well, the third one. The son of man, on the other hand, feasts and drinks. And you say, he's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. He came eating and drinking with people. Literally sitting down and sharing meals with people. Showing them they were accepted and loved and cared for. That they were seen and listened to. So much so that his enemies try to discredit him as a glutton and a drunk. Oh, that Jesus, he's always partying. He can't actually be from God. Because if he was from God, then he would be as stuffy and judgmental as us perfect ones. Look, if we want to follow Jesus, we have to do the same thing he did. We have to practice hospitality. The art and ministry of hanging out with people. 
I don't think we grasped how important and central this was in Jesus' plan to bring the kingdom of God to earth. Like, he is constantly eating with people. He eats with Matthew, the tax collector. He eats with Pharisees. We see him, you know, feed 5,000 people and give them their dinner. We see this beautiful picture of him at the, the Last Supper, as we call it, before he's crucified. And then, when he, when he first appears to his disciples, he eats to prove that he's alive. In fact, after he rose from the dead, it wasn't until he ate with two of his disciples that they even recognized him. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on the way back to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them, who said, the Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. Then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they had recognized him as he was breaking the bread. Jesus made breakfast and ate with Peter and John after Peter had denied him to show that Peter was still part of Jesus' plan to reach the world. And what's the one thing Jesus told us to do in memory of him? <laughs> eat bread and drink wine. Like, Isn't that awesome? He was accused of being a glutton and a drunk. And he's like, oh yeah? Well, don't forget it. That's how I want to be remembered. So every time you think of my death and resurrection, eat bread and drink wine. And do you know how Jesus chose to describe the ultimate culmination of God restoring his people to himself? Then I heard again what sounded like the shout of a vast crowd or the roar of mighty ocean waves or the crash of loud thunder. Praise the Lord, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice, and let us give him. Let us give honor to him. For the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb, and his bride has prepared herself. She's been given the finest of pure white linen to wear, for the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. And the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. And he added, These are true words that come from God. A wedding feast, like representing the fulfillment of God's promises, the joy of being with him forever. In fact, pastor and author Michael Frost said, eating has been a central Christian practice since the beginning of our movement. And he said, the table ought to be the primary symbol of the Christian gathering. It represents hospitality, inclusivity, generosity, and grace. Think about it. Food equalizes. It shows that we're, we're all human, sharing this life-giving experience together. In fact, that's why we have snacks after our Sunday in-person gatherings, not just because it's fun, but because it gives us an opportunity to identify with each other, to look each other in the eye, to listen to each other, to talk with each other, and to tell stories, to connect with old friends and to welcome new friends into these life-giving relationships. It's why we encourage our connect groups, our small groups, to have some type of drink and maybe even, even food at their gatherings so that we can relate to each other and eat with each other. It's why our alliances, our one-on-one -on -one alliances work best when there's drink or food and or food involved. In fact, almost every one of my meaningful alliances throughout my entire life have been over food and or drink. In fact, that's why I still dream of Cross Creek one day operating a coffee house or, or a tap house, providing our community a chance to eat and drink together for the purpose of bringing the kingdom of God to earth now. Like, what better way to continue Jesus' mission than continuing his method of eating and drinking together? And so here's my invitation. As part of being a light to the world, 
start making a habit to eat with at least three people a month. Preferably one from Cross Creek, get to know each other, one not from Cross Creek, and one dealer's choice. You get to pick. Now these meals, you don't, you don't have to make them elaborate and expensive. I mean, you can if that's your thing, but they don't have to be. They can be simple. They can be in your home or they can be out in public. It can be breakfast, lunch, dinner, brunch, dinner, whatever you want. It can be just a coffee and donut. It can be beer and fries. It can be one-on-one. It can be a group. It can be families coming together. And so what do you do during this time together? Well, first of all, you don't preach. You're not treating people as projects. Just, I want to go out with you so I can tell you about you. No. What do you do? You eat and you drink and you talk and you listen and you share stories and jokes and hopes and dreams and fears and disappointments. You learn about each other. You ask questions. You be real. Now, am I saying, you know, go get plastered and and gorge yourself? No. I'm saying model moderation and the joy we can have being in control of our bodies. So you might be thinking, well, okay, John, but who has time for this? Like, I've already got my things all scheduled out. I mean, that's a great question. Honestly, it is. Now, for different phases of life, wherever you are, it might look different, for sure. But no matter what our lives look like, hospitality forces us to change our schedules to align our lives to the purpose of Jesus, other people. Following Jesus isn't about, you know, what we say we believe. It's about what we do with what we believe. Following Jesus is supposed to change your life. Sometimes those changes take purposeful decisions to do something different with our time. Jesus said, if we are his followers, we are a light on a hill. And he tells us to go and make disciples. But that doesn't have to be an overbearing command and and drudgery and a guilt-inducing hard work type of thing. No, we can simply, it can simply look like sharing a meal, sharing a drink with someone, listening to them and sharing your stories with them. See, our lives seem to be getting more and more disconnected from each other. And people need to know that they are accepted and loved. Just think of the good we can do by physically sitting across the table from someone, looking them in the eye, purposely listening to them and sharing our stories together. To be like Jesus, we need to practice doing what Jesus did. He ate with and identified with Zacchaeus, and he offers to eat with and identify with you. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. He invites us to join him in eating and identifying with others as well. The Son of Man came eating and drinking to seek and save the lost. And we have the privilege of following our master by eating and drinking to continue his mission of bringing the kingdom of God to earth now. Hospitality allows us to discover, enjoy, and share life Jesus offers together. So, cheers! Jesus loves you. Thanks for joining us online for this content put out by Cross Creek Community Church, whether it's on the podcast, uh, YouTube, or you got to us via our website. We appreciate you. Let us know you're watching by commenting on the video in YouTube, or you can send us an email at info at crosscreek.com. We also have a welcome form on our webpage, which is super easy to fill out. And uh, there's a free gift involved if you're interested in starting a conversation with us. It's just a fun way for us to get to know you and say hello. 
We have uh, in-person services on Sundays at 4.30 p.m. in South Salem. Our location and a map and all that good stuff's on our website. So feel free to check that out. You can also follow us on social media for updates and encouragement throughout the week. If you decide to try any of these practices in this series, we'd love to hear about it. We'd love to hear about your experiences, how it's going for you, and just have a conversation with you about it. So send us an email or use that welcome forum to interact with us. We have small groups that meet weekly that you can join if you're interested in that. And we also have a middle school and high school connect group that meet on the first and third Sundays of every month. More information on our website as usual. Thanks for donating. If you consider Cross Creek your church, uh, we really appreciate your uh, regular giving. There's a portal on our website that's secure and we are a 501c3, so it's a tax deductible gift um, and it keeps a good thing going. So thanks for that. We will see you next week.